In the book of Exodus, what you find is it's God bringing the Israelite people out of slavery in Egypt, and he's bringing them towards the promised land. And as he's bringing them towards the promised land, he's taking the Israelites and he's shaping them into the people of God. Now God comes to Moses, who is essentially the leader of the Israelite people, and in Exodus 25 through 30, he gives them instructions on how to build what is known as the tabernacle. Now, if you're going, what is the tabernacle? Uh, physically, it was a tent, but it's not just like the Israelites can stop at a sporting goods store on their way to the promised land, pick up a, a tabernacle there. Like I worked at Canadian Tire for a year in college, never had tabernacles in stock, just couldn't keep them on the shelves. Um, but it, it's more complex than just being a, a tent. The tabernacle is a portable sanctuary constructed as a place of worship for the Israelites, again, on their way to the promised land. And for Israel, um, their worship of God is centered around the tabernacle. Now, the instructions that God gives to Moses to build this tabernacle, they're, they're highly detailed. They're very precise. And it's not just the, the details for building the tabernacle that Moses gets. God's like, I, I've got a few other things that you need to build. And so you need to build the Ark of the Covenant, the bread table, the lampstand, the lampstand's oil, the altar of sacrifice, the altar of incense, the incense itself, the water basin, the priestly garments, the recipe for the holy anointing oil. And so Moses is already an incredibly busy man. If you read through Exodus, it's like, this guy's always doing something. And so he functions as the lead prophet for Israel, the head of state, the foreign minister, the chief justice, supreme military commander, lead theological counselor, and more, to a nation of two million people who are always grumbling and complaining. They're always discontent about something. Like they, they get out of Egypt and it's not long where they're going like, ah, remember how good life was back in Egypt? And Moses is like, guys, you were slaves. And they're like, ah, the, the fish and the vegetables that were in Egypt. He's like, guys, do you remember the grueling labor? And they're like, how about those cucumbers and the melons? They were so good. It's like, this is what Moses has to deal with. And so he's busy guiding and shepherding Israel. And now it seems like God is adding to his workload by giving a bunch of DIY projects. And Moses has six chapters of you shall make projects. Now, Moses, before he became kind of the, the leader of Israel, he had been a prince of Egypt, but also he had spent about 40 years shepherding. And so he might be going, okay, I spent some time in the wilderness. I built a few fences in my day, so I'll, I'll give this a go. God, I guess I could try and build this tabernacle, but it's probably not going to be very good. And God knows what Moses is capable of and what he's not capable of. And so in Exodus chapter 31, starting in verse 1, it says, the Lord also spoke to Moses. Look, I have appointed by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, the, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with God's spirit, with wisdom, understanding, and ability in every craft to design artistic works in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut gemstones for mounting, and to carve wood for work in every craft. I have also selected Aholiab, son of Ahissamech, of the tribe of Dan, to be with him. I put wisdom in the heart of every skilled artisan in order to make all that I have commanded you. So when it comes to building the tabernacle, God isn't just like, okay, Moses, put out a request for some quotes. Let's see what comes back. Whoever's the cheapest, we'll go with that. We've got to save some money. We're, we've got a long journey ahead of us. 
No, God is like, there's, there's two specific guys that I want to build their tabernacle. And, and he names them, Bezalel and Aholiab, because they have the work or the ability to do the work that God wants done. And so we have to understand, when God calls Bezalel to build the tabernacle, this isn't the first time Bezalel picks up a hammer or some tools. He's not going like, okay, I, I will give this my best shot. Like Exodus 31 verse 6, it tells us that these men are already wise in their crafts, in, in their trades, we could say. And so Bezalel's got some experience under his belt. He knows what he's doing. He's probably trained others, but it also is God is adding his spirit to their abilities and to their skills in order to do this work. Now, sometimes we, we get this idea um, that all skills and abilities have to be learned through experience. That, that we're kind of born all neutral at the same level. And it's like, wherever you pay your attention, wherever you put in the work, that's where you're gonna develop skills and proficiencies and abilities because you put in the work. And I'm, yeah, they're gonna make you better, but that's not entirely true. Like, have you ever looked at somebody who's doing something? Or, or maybe somebody's made this remark and they go, man, they seem just to have a natural talent for it. Well, that's probably true. Like, I, I used to be the best bass player here at Halifax Christian Church. I was awesome. Well, compared to the other guy, there was only two of us back then. And so, like, I was, I was playing every second week. And then we hired Carlos Medrano, and he sat me down as this newly appointed worship and arts director. He looked me in the eye, and he said, James, you can't play on these teams anymore. You're no good. That did not happen. <laughs> actually, it was this. Like, Cy, who was playing this morning, I actually taught Cy the bass. And then it wasn't long before, like, Cy, I was like, he's better than I am. And we had other guys who came along with musical talents and abilities playing. And it's like, man, I don't need to be up there playing anymore, Carlos. Like, they must increase. I'm going to decrease. You know what? It allows me to go focus in some other areas. They were just better at it. They were skilled. I remember, though, being on some of these teams, and, and like some of the guys, was like, they're like, I've never heard this song before. It would be a new one, but they're like, let me give it a go, and they, they would start singing. I'm like, that's as good as the original artist who recorded it. Like, I don't believe you that you're going, I've never heard this song before. Or some of them would be like, ah, we, this instrument would be great in this song, but never played it before, and they, they'd get it, and they'd sit down, and it's like, yeah, yeah, you've never played this before. Like, the next day, they're a master but the reality was is that some of them, just musical ability seemed to come natural to them. They, they had this aptitude for it. Now, some people have innate abilities that just come more naturally to them. And there's a number of skills that just kind of seem to be um, inborn within people. I, I don't think scripture would disagree with this. Like in Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14, King David, you've probably heard these verses before, but it says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Now, David is saying this, like God was involved in your creation every step of the way. That, that, that God has made you so much more than just being a physical body. And, and David, he says, my soul knows it. My soul knows it. That word's significant. He's saying that there's like this, um, there's an immaterial essence to your life. 
There's a spiritual component to your life. You're not just all flesh and bones. You are not simply kind of the reaction of some tissue and, and uh, hormones and, and chemicals kind of coming together and like, boom, there's a human. That's, that's not simply what you are. You are so much more than that. And human beings, they're not made using a cookie cutter. Like no two humans are completely identical. God makes us unique. And part of what makes us unique our, our abilities. Like I know some identical twins, a, a few sets of identical twins. They share the same DNA. They grew up in the same house and yet they're so different. They have different abilities. They have different aptitudes, different passions. One's the good twin, one's the evil twin. Just kind of happens with each one they get compared. But here's the thing, God has made every person unique and part of what makes us unique are our natural abilities. Now, natural abilities, just to define them, this is what we're saying they are, the set of talents that God gave you when you were born. They're your natural strengths. In Exodus chapter 35, verses 25, 26, and 35, it says, Every skilled woman spun yarn with her hands and brought it, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen, and all the women whose hearts were moved spun the goat hair by virtue of their skill. God has filled them with the skill to do all the work of a gem cutter, a designer, an embroiderer in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, and a weaver. They can do every kind of craft and design artistic designs. Now, verse 26 says God has given them or filled them with the skill needed to carry out the work in building the tabernacle. And so your natural abilities that you have within your life, they are a gift from God. That God has given you those abilities to do them. And think of it this way. It's like part of your, your programming. When God was, was creating you, he programmed you to be better at some things than you are at others. That, that he's hardwired you to be able to do some things better than other people can do them. You, you, they just kind of come naturally to you. So every person is born with a unique set of talents that gives them a special ability to perform certain tasks or certain kinds of tasks more easily than others. Like you've probably noticed in this building, we use a lot of technology. Like we, we, we rely on it quite a bit. Now we don't bring in an outside company to kind of put this stuff up. Most of it's done in-house. And to be honest, a lot of it's done by a guy named uh, BJ Noyan. Um, and, and BJ spends quite a bit of time here helping and serving. And here's the thing, if we identify a need, BJ's usually the guy's like, okay, what, what should we do? And he's like, okay, he goes off, he reads, he researches, he reads the reviews, and he comes back and he presents it to us. Now, when he's talking to me about this, I, I won't lie, I'm going, hmm, yeah, I agree. Obviously, with, the, with what you're saying, this would be the, the right choice. Now, most of it's like, some of the stuff he's saying, I don't get it. I said at first service, for Greg, it's like, I, I might get 50%. Greg's getting like 10% of what, what BJ's saying. Um, now, here's the thing. I'm thankful for that. Because one, I don't have to do it. But it's also like, he's good at it. God has given the ability to understand it and to be able to do it, and he enjoys it. It's a passion of his. And for me, it's like, if you ask me to read these articles and reviews, that's gonna be pure drudgery. I'm not gonna enjoy it. But thank God he does. Now God has made all of us unique. Like some of us have been, are, are, are more artistic 
than others. Like you just, you just look at things and you see the art and the beauty in it. Some of us miss that. God's programmed some of us to be more analytical than others. Like we, we just evaluate things and we think about it. God has created some of us to be more strategic in our thinking. And God's instructions for the, the, the construction of the tabernacle, he's given them to Moses. And Moses might be writing them down. He's going, I don't know what that means. I don't know what this means, but okay. And he takes it to the people who have wisdom and understanding and skill. And they go, these are good. I get it. I know what we're to do with it. It made sense. And we discover for these people that their abilities in weaving yarn and linen, in cutting gems and in weaving craftsmanship and artistic design with metals and woods, they're meant for more than just a way to earn a living. They're meant for more than just a pleasurable hobby, that they were going to be used to display God's glory and his splendor and his majesty. They're not just making garments and rugs. They're they're helping to create the tabernacle, which is going to be where Israel comes to worship God. And when they worship God, God is going to form them into the people of God. They're not just making like tools and furniture that are gonna sit there. These are gonna be instruments that again, help shape Israel's worship of God, which is going to shape them into the people of God. Have you ever considered that God might have more in store for you than you realize? Is it possible that God's given you the abilities and the skills and the aptitudes that you have for more than just earning a living, for more than just a pleasurable hobby, but that he's he's refining them for a purpose? Like just like God used... Bezalel and his abilities for his purpose. God wants to use your abilities to make an impact for his kingdom. That your strengths, your abilities, they can be used for something that's larger, again, than just earning a living or having a hobby and these things that often just kind of serve us or those around us, but they can be used for a bigger purpose. Now, for some of us, we, we are going, okay, why, why should I do that? I want to go back to basics. Like the gospel it tells us that God has created us for his glory and that he created us to live in relationship with him and with others and that would reflect his glory. But we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What does that mean? All right, let's do a little test here. Raise your hand if you've loved God perfectly. Have you trusted God perfectly? Have you thanked God perfectly? Have you obeyed God perfectly? Have you treasured God perfectly? Like, no hands can go up. And we have to understand, this is our creator, this is our God. And in many ways, we don't just like accidentally not do that stuff. We intentionally don't do it. God's like, here's the way you should go. And we're like, no, I'm gonna go this way. And so we willfully rebel against him And therefore, scripture says we all deserve punishment. We've rejected God, but God in his great mercy, he sends his only son, Jesus Christ, into the world to provide for sinners the way of eternal life. When we don't deserve a way of escape, God gives us a way of escape. And eternal life is available to every person who will trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their lives. 
Now, when we, when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, you're not just forgiven and, and that you're going to be with God forever and you're going to go to heaven. God gives you more than just forgiveness. God places his spirit inside of you who guides you, who equips you, who counsels you through your daily life. He's working on you right now. And why? Is it so that our lives can be easy? Is it so that our lives can be pleasurable and that we can just sort of have like warm, fuzzy feelings through the day? No. That his spirit is transforming us into the people of God who once again reflect God's glory to the world. Like God invites you into a mission to seek and save the lost. He commissions his disciples to help change people's eternities by by making more disciples of Jesus. He invites you to help build the church. Now, when I say that word church, we all have an idea that comes to our head. For some of us, we, we think of a physical building. For some of us, we think of the gathering of the saints and those definitions don't really excite us. We're not like, yes, church. Like, that's, that's probably not what happens. But when you read scripture, pay attention to how scripture describes the church. Like, it, it says the church, yeah, it's something that's messed up. It's, it can be ugly at times. It's not perfect. Like, you get to know any church eventually, I promise you, you're going to find stuff you don't like about it. Just give us time. We'll disappoint you. Just, just wait. Like I, I promise that for every church. It says it's, it's not perfect in this here and now, but this is not all that the church is going to be. That when Christ returns, the church's full glory is going to be revealed, and you'll see it how God sees it. The church is, is something that is local, and we, we're going like, this, this is the church, but the church is so much more than this, that Jesus says that, that, that the gospel is gonna pre- be preached to the ends of the earth, which means that the church itself is something that is, is global, it is large. The church exists to introduce people to Jesus Christ, the only one who is able to actually provide help and healing for people's souls. The church exists for the old and for the young, for the rich and for the poor. And it is to go to people of every tribe, tongue, and nation. The church in scripture is the the body of Christ. It's the bride of Christ. It is a kingdom of priests. And priests serve And if there's a place where your abilities can be used to make a difference, an actual difference that goes beyond something that's temporary, but it's gonna last forever, I promise you, it's the church. That's where your abilities can make a difference. Now, one of the most common reasons people give for not getting involved in serving is, you know what, I just don't have any abilities to offer, but I would actually push back against that because the data would say, no, that's not exactly true. According to LinkedIn data, the average person, or sorry, it says there's at least 50,000 professional skills in the world. 50,000. And they say that the average person possesses between 500 and 700 skills and abilities. Now, should you list all 500 to 700 of those on your resume when you're applying for a job? Probably not. It might get a little lengthy. And you're not a master in all of those, but you're able to do five to 700 of them. And so let's, let's just say this, let's, let's play conservative. Even if you have 400, you're a little less able than other people. You've got to believe that out of that 400, there's at least one or two 
that you can use to serve the body of Christ and to glorify God. Well, let's, let's be honest here. This is a place where we can be honest. Some of us don't serve for a few different reasons. One, we just don't want to. We're just like, I, I just don't want to serve, so I don't. Or we think of it as like, no, that's for other people. That's something other people are supposed to do. And I, I can say this because we, let's, let, again, we're being honest. Like we have people here attended forever. They're like, HEC is my home. It's like, but you're not helping serve in the home or as the home. Now for some of us, it's also this, that we've tried serving and it didn't go well. It just like, it was miserable or we just didn't enjoy it. Now here's the thing, you, we all know of people who, who are miserable in their job because they chose a job because it was gonna make them good money. But that job did not agree with their aptitudes and their abilities and so they were miserable in it. And the same thing can happen in serving God. And the reality is you might not enjoy serving because you haven't yet found a way to serve that matches with your abilities. And throughout your life, you've discovered, here's some things I just love doing and I'm passionate about it and I'm good at it. Then there's other things that's like, I'm not very good at that at all. And it's drudgery when I have to do it. Like, I don't get these people, but there's some people who love spreadsheets. Like, I don't get that, but they're like, they open up Excel and they're like, oh, feel that rush. They, they just love it. I'm like, okay. Some of us, like, we love to cook. We're, we're passionate about cooking and, and hosting and, and having people over. And then there's others of us who's like, okay, I got to make the kids craft dinner. Um, Google how to boil water. Like, oh, we just, we just not able to do it. Some of us, we love to design and, and conceptualize while others of us are like, man, let's just, let's pound this thing out. Like, let's get it done. Let's build it. We don't need instructions. Let's, let's do this. We don't need a plan. And God has made us all unique. Now, here's what I'm saying. Knowing what you do best, what your strongest natural talents and abilities are, and then finding a way to serve that matches those talents and abilities, that's going to be part of discovering your unique kingdom purpose. And God will often match your calling with your capabilities. He knows you because he made you. And we must take time to discover the things that we're naturally good at or love to do because those are often an indicator of how God wants to use us. And so one of the things we've done, we've kind of been giving out tools each week in this series, is we've put together this sheet that's called Discovering Your Natural Abilities and we'll have them at the back door as you, as you leave. Or if you want this, if you're joining us online, you can go to halifaxchristianchurch.ca and under resources, there's a, a tab there where we have all the resources that we've been using throughout the series. You can go there and download them to use them there. But this will, is a tool to help you discover or kind of process your abilities and see how God might want to use them. Now, here's the question. Like, what if your, your passion and your ability in cooking is more than just setting a nice dinner before your family, but it can be used to bless others and show hospitality? Like, our, our church this afternoon, we're taking down like 18 massive casseroles to Ark Sunday suppers, which helps uh, people within the city who, who are kind of in need. And those things are, are massive and they're being um, cooked and, and prepared by people from our church who, who just kind of enjoy doing this. What if God wants your ability to coach to help train up more disciples? What if God wants to use your skills and administration to help bring order to a ministry? What if God desires your leadership abilities not just to be used in the corporate world, but to help lead the body of Christ? The natural abilities that you, you use at home and at work, those skills, they can be used again for more than just earning a living, 
or having a hobby, they can make a difference. Like God wants to see his church succeed in the mission that he's given the church. So God provides the church with the skills and the abilities it needs to be able to accomplish the mission that he's called it to do. Like Bezalel, he didn't lead the nation of of Israel like Moses did. Bezalel didn't like lead the Israelites into war like Joshua did. But here's the thing, Bezalel did what he could do and what he was called to do. He led the construction of God's tabernacle, which would shape Israel's worship of God, which would shape Israel into the people of God. Colossians chapter three, verse 17 says, and whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so our abilities, whatever they may be, can use to bring glory to God. Now here's my question. Like what if, if God, like Moses comes to, to Bezalel, it's like God has gifted you and, and called you to build the tabernacle and Bezalel's like, nah, no. And like I, I said, this first service, and it's, it's true. It's like, in leadership, I, I'm sure Moses heard, you get used to hearing people say no. It's like, can you serve? No. Um, and it's like, maybe that's what Bezalel, or Moses was expecting or anticipating when he went to Bezalel. And what if Bezalel said no? I mean, it would have been a missed opportunity. He's building God's tabernacle. But what if he was like, I'm going to build some furniture? What if, would Moses be like, okay, I'm going to take on the, the leadership of this project? Would the tabernacle have been built? Would it actually glorify God in any way? Now, we, we, we can only speculate because Bezalel, he, he says yes. And he builds the tabernacle. He's found faithful in using the talents God gives him. And so here's the question that only you can answer. Will you be found faithful in using the abilities that God has given you? And for Bezalel, like, he sees this as, as something that's important. He sees this as an honor. He's, he's called to help lead the construction of God's tabernacle. Like it, it, there's not much more things that are, are significant or more important than that to serve in that way. So God calls every Christian to help build up the kingdom of God, to help build the church. And the question is, I'm asking the Christians in the room, do you see that as important? Do you see that as an honor? And I said this a few weeks ago, but it's, it's still so true. Your ministry matters. One of the most tragic things that could happen to us is we arrive at the end of our lives and we realize that we've missed the greatest opportunity that we had because we devoted everything to lesser pursuits. Like in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells this this story that there's a man going away on a journey. He calls his three servants to himself. He gives them each a sum of money and he goes off on the journey. And then the the first two, they put the, the, the money to work and they earn a profit on it. Master comes back, they report back to him, see master, this is what you gave me, here's what I've produced. And the master goes, well done, good and faithful servant. The third guy though is like, man, you you scare me. And it's like, if I didn't make money, if I messed this up, I was afraid I was gonna be punished. And so I buried it. I hid it in the ground. And the master's like, man, I could have done that. I could have done that. You're wicked, you're lazy. You've wasted the opportunity that you had. Like we have a neighbor down the street 
Um, he's one of those guys, like, a, I, don't, I don't know, his house is always pristine and, and beautiful. And um, he's like out washing his windows on the second story at 7.45 a.m. I'm like, what time do you get up to do this stuff? But uh, when we walk by, he's got his garage open. And a lot of the time I, can, I, I see and he's got this beautiful Mercedes Benz sitting in the garage. Um, beautiful vehicle, but it's under a sheet. Like I can just barely make out what it is underneath. In the two years that we've lived there, it's never once left the garage. Not once. And I look at it, I'm like, that, that thing's a feat of engineering. That's a beautiful vehicle. Why is it just sitting in the garage under a sheet not used? I'm going to knock on his door. I was like, let's do a vehicle swap, buddy. You take my 2013 Hyundai Elantra. I'll park that in the garage. We throw the sheet over it. It will look all the same. I'll drive the Mercedes-Benz around. And I look at it. I was like, what a waste. What a waste. And could that be what Jesus is getting at in Matthew chapter 25? I gave you gifts. I gave you abilities. I gave you so much more. And you buried it. You didn't use it. You wasted the opportunity. It could have been used to make a difference, but it went unused. And if we hold back our abilities that God gave us or we use those abilities for purposes that don't include God, they'll never be used to their full potential. Like Francis Chan, he says, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Now, when, when I say that, I'm not saying it's wrong to have hobbies, or to enjoy your life. Those have their place. But in our culture, we tend to prioritize um, pleasure and comfort above almost everything else. Like we, we live for the weekend. That, that's what we're, we do everything for. Nothing wrong with those things. But when we prioritize those above everything else, it messes up our priorities, which messes everything else up. And here's the thing. When we stand before Jesus, when he returns, he's not going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Look how many properties you owned. Well done, good and faithful servant. Look how beautiful that vehicle is. Well done, good and faithful servant. Impressive golf scores. Well done, good and faithful servant. You know, that collection you amassed over time. Very impressive. Like your God-given abilities give you the ability to make a difference and that's what Jesus is looking for. And he's invited you to be a part of something that is significant, building the kingdom of God. And when you serve, you help impact the lives of people, not just now, but for eternity. And so your ministry matters. Now, one of the things we've done during this series is we've taken some time to have different ministry leaders come up and share about their ministries because this helps us know, here's, here's some ways we can serve. Here's my abilities matches or might match what, what this guy's talking about. And so I want to invite uh, Majed up and he's going to talk about uh, guest services or hospitality ministry. doesn't know me my name is Majed and I'm one of the good-looking guys at the front door serving at the hospitality ministry and I uh, just want to talk to you about this ministry for a few minutes so um, the hospitality ministry includes greeters uh, people who serve communion prepare communion clean up and also welcome center so uh, it's a uh, to my, to my opinion, it's a very important ministry because 
it's the first impression that anybody gets when they enter the church. It's the people who welcomes them, or it's that warm coffee who they go and pour and enjoy. Or if they need information or they have a question, they go to that person at the welcome center desk and they get their answers. So, as Pastor James said today, we should at least have about 500 skills. <laughs> and probably I have less than that, but uh, if you can smile and shake hands, you can still serve God's church and we want you. If you can pour water into a coffee maker, we want you. If you can answer questions and get some information, to give some information to somebody else, we want you. Or hold a tray of communion and pass it to your brothers and sisters. We want you there too. So uh, if you're interested to come and serve at this ministry, please feel free to come to the Welcome Center and fill out a serve card and we will be in contact with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bijed. And can we just give a moment to thank all those who serve in those different ministries like Welcome Center, Greeting, Coffee, Communion, some of the others. Just thank them for their service. All right, so this week, I just want to encourage you to take some time to discover those natural abilities, to think on them, those things that you love doing, and use that work, worksheet available online, or you can grab it on the Welcome Center, or from us as you're leaving. Um, and if you want to explore some of those ministries, you can fill out a serve card at the Welcome Center or uh, online at halifaxchristianchurch.ca. And so your abilities, again, they give you the ability to make a difference, and your ministry truly matters.